Pastor Ed Taylor offers this challenge to parents. Your responsibility is not to make sure your kids get a college education. It's not even to make sure they get three square meals a day. Your responsibility is not to make sure they launch off on their career, have all their decisions made for them. You have one responsibility. As a parent, I had one responsibility. You know what it is? Get my kids to heaven. That's my goal. That's your goal. Get your kids to heaven. Get the gospel in them, both by precept and by example. That's it. Hey, preparing them how to live in this world, very important. You're making sure they make wise choices, great. Saving ahead for college, fantastic. Those are all secondary. If you don't accomplish anything else as a parent, get the gospel into your kids' hearts and minds. This is amazing grace. Hey, thanks for tuning our way. This is Abounding Grace, and in just a moment, we'll hand things over to Pastor Ed Taylor. He's in Hebrews chapter 11 and Exodus chapters 1 and 2 today. We're recalling the faith exhibited by Moses' parents. The command coming from the government in Egypt was to throw your baby into the river. But we're told that Moses' parents and the midwives feared God and saved the children. They made the decision to obey God rather than the civil authorities. Pastor Ed will relate this to the challenges and decisions we faced as the church recently. We're living in the last days. And you know what the Bible says, the last days? And they actually, the Bible says this, that there will be a generation in preceding the coming of the Lord that calls good evil and evil good. Let me tell you, church, welcome to that time. We're living in it. And that's why lines get blurred with those that are put in authority. That is a God-ordained structure in society to keep order. It is God. They are God's minister. It doesn't say they're perfect. It doesn't say they always do the right thing. But order is necessary for society to progress. Notice verse 5 now. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Now, you can go ahead and groan on that. Nobody groan. You ready? You pay taxes. Yeah, I know. I know. And some of you go, well, I didn't pay taxes. I got a refund last year. Yeah, that was my money you got back. <laughs> For they are God's ministers attending, continue to this very thing. That's true. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now, it's interesting that Paul and Silas were put in jail for not obeying this verse. Peter was thrown in jail for not obeying this verse. So I want you to listen and listen carefully. I believe this is the Lord speaking through his word to us. Listen, we obey civil authorities until they tell us to do something to disobey God, which is the higher or highest authority. Let me say that again. We obey, this is God's will for your life, we obey civil authorities 
until they tell us to do something to disobey God, which is the higher and the highest authority. You guys with me so far? Now, let me clarify something for you. Let me, let's be clear here. The highest authority is not your pastor. It is not someone that's popularly espousing ideas on YouTube or on the news. It's not some YouTube video someone forwarded to you, so all of a sudden, that's your highest authority. The highest authority is not your opinion. It's not your Aunt Mabel. It's not your Uncle Carlos. The highest authority is God and His Word. Don't ever forget that, because when you do, you make a lot of mistakes. We are to obey the civil authorities until they tell us or prevent us from doing, if they tell us to do something God, tell, tell, to disobey God, or they tell us not to do something that would disobey God. I think of the recent uh, request or demand or command or law, whatever you want to call it in California, that's declared, church, we'll let you gather, but you can't sing. You can't sing. You're you, we can't sing. No, you can't sing. We can't sing. I'm sorry, that's just not possible. There's nothing you could cut my tongue out and I would still sing to the Lord because He is worthy of my praise and I would never tell the church they can't sing. You want to come in here and tell the church they can't sing? You try that, but you are going against God. No way, are you, what? Have you lost your mind? Well, yeah, they actually have lost their mind. Unbelievers telling the church what they can do. No, 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 thank you. You go, Ed, is that possible? Well, ask the Pharaoh. Unbeliever telling followers of God what to do. No, we must obey God. Let me give you a couple passages. In Acts chapter 4, verse 18, listen. They called them, these are the, the uh, Peter and John. They called Peter and John, commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Yeah, you, you guys can't teach in Jesus anymore. <laughs> okay, okay. Just understand this. You judge whether we should obey God or not. You can make that judgment, but we have already decided. When we were born again, we already decided we would obey God no matter the cost. And that is the problem, church, and you have to examine your heart on this. Many believers aren't willing to pay the price of obedience. You just don't want to lose things. You don't want to lose your job. You don't want to lose your money. You don't want to lose your house. You don't want to lose your status. You don't want to lose things. So because you don't want to lose things, you don't obey. And you suffer the consequences for that. We've spoken over the years, persecution's coming, difficulty's coming, and we're kind of living on easy street all the way through. We're living on easy street until we're not. And then we're tested on it. And we're tested what kind of believer are we really? Where is our walk with the Lord truly? What is he doing eternally through us? And you have to understand that there's going to come a time where we're going to have to stand for what is right and what is holy and what is good. Acts chapter 5 verse 26, they call the apostles in and they tell them the same thing. We told you not to teach in Jesus' name. And their answer was, but Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. And there just comes a time in all of our lives, both individually and corporately, where we're being asked to do something that disobeys God and you have to choose God. 
So long before the New Testament, these midwives are already living that way. They don't care what they lose, including their lives. Look, you know what? We're, we see it's a boy. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. I'm not going to kill a baby. I'm just not going to do it. And as Moses comes out of the birth canal, they determine it's a boy and they decide to hide him. And really what they're saying is we're not giving our kid to Egypt. And that's the word of the Lord for you parents today. You're not giving your kids to Egypt. And you might think, well, head, I've never even been to Egypt. No, Egypt becomes a type and a picture in the Bible of this world, this culture. This world and culture wants your kids. And you must choose not to give your kids to Egypt. It's your responsibility, parents. It's yours. Come back to Exodus as we wind down today. Notice in chapter 2 now. As it unfolds, this whole decision, Moses' parents, they're basically saying, you can't have my kid. You can't have my kid, Pharaoh. You can't have my kid, Egypt. And notice it says, a man of the house of Levi went and took a wife, the daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she hid him three months. Now, before the birth, you know, this is a lot of time. It's at least nine months here in these two verses. Can you imagine the, the difficulty in this precious mom's heart as she's praying for the baby in her womb. I wonder if she was praying, Lord, I I hope I have a girl. I don't want to see my baby lost. Or maybe, Lord, if you give me a boy, give me the faith that I won't participate in this culture. I won't give my kid up. I I won't do it. I don't know, but it, you know, we don't, we often don't feel the drama of the situation because we just read from one verse to the next and nine months pass or a hundred years pass. But this woman doesn't know the future. She's pregnant. And the law of the land is, if that baby's a boy, you'll never see him again. Notice, when they could no longer hide him, verse 3, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it, laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. What was the command after the baby was born? What did Pharaoh say? Throw the baby where? In the river. What does his parents do? Okay, we'll throw our baby in the river, but we're going to make a little boat first. You know, there are ways to obey the authorities without antagonizing the authorities. You realize that, right? There are ways of obeying the authorities without antagonizing them. And here is a beautiful picture of that. You want the baby in the river? Great. Although, understand, it's extremely hard. Don't minimize what's happening here. She's saying goodbye to her son and hoping for the best. That was their determination. This is the best for our son. And God knew already, notice, his sisters, because Moses is the youngest. You know, he already has Aaron, his big brother, and he has Miriam. And that's where we meet her, right here in verse 4. His sister, Miriam, stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along the river's side, and they saw the ark with, among the reeds in the water there. So she sent the maid to get it. And when he had opened it, she saw the baby, and the baby cried. And so she had, notice, compassion on him. Do you know the Bible says, like the rivers of water, like God can change the heart of a king like the rivers of water. Like God is in control. She doesn't automatically go, oh no, I'm an Egyptian. This is a baby. We need to throw him in the water. Nope. 
She doesn't see the baby and go, oh no, this is a Hebrew baby. I need to go tell my daddy. Nope. God had placed a compassion in this unbelieving girl for the baby. And she decides to save it. Not only that, notice, as she has compassion, she says, this is one of the Hebrews' kids. And his sister said to Pharaoh, then his sister Miriam said to Pharaoh's daughter, can I go get a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse a child for you? Interesting how God works in and through tough situations for his will. And the answer, yeah, go get her. And the maiden went and called her mom. And God arranged so that Moses' mom raised him till about five years old. Pharaoh's daughter said, take the child and nurse him. I will give you your wages. She got paid to take care of her own kid. Why? Because of faith in God. And notice, the child grew. She brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. For five years, I can imagine his mom was saying, you know what? You come from a great heritage. I want to talk to you about Adam and Eve. I want to talk to you about creation. I want to talk to you about the faithfulness of God. I want to warn you about wickedness of sin with Cain and Abel. I I want you to understand Enoch. I want you to know that God takes sin seriously. So meet Noah and the ark. And that ark is the rescuing God rescues. He loves to rescue, but you got to be in the ark. And he promised that he would send a savior. He promised to Abraham. He promised. She was on her knee, weaning, taking care of that baby Moses, five years, the formative years of his life, pouring in, pouring in, pouring in, and then having to hand him over, preparing him to hand him over. And I believe that this handing him over meant that concept of never being able to see him again. He'd been in the Pharaoh's court, and they were slaves, and those two never mixed. So, Up to about five years old, mom pours into him and says, okay, okay, got to let him go. And I believe her prayer life, mom and dad's prayer life, continued to grow and grow and grow. Now listen, parents, parents, you know this, but it's important to be reminded. In your kids' lives, more is caught than taught. More is caught than taught. What I mean by that is that you are the primary teachers and disciplers of your children. It's your responsibility to get the Word of God. And parents, you could put it this way. You have one responsibility as a parent, not two, not five. Your responsibility is not to make sure your kids get a college education. It's not even to make sure they get three square meals a day. Your responsibility is not to make sure they launch off on their career, have all their decisions made for them. You have one responsibility. As a parent, I had one responsibility. You know what it is? Get my kids to heaven. That's my goal. That's your goal. Get your kids to heaven. Get the gospel in them, both by precept and by example. That's it. Hey, preparing them how to live in this world, very important. Making sure they make wise choices, great. Saving ahead for college, fantastic. Those are all secondary. If you don't accomplish anything else as a parent, get the gospel into your kids' hearts and minds. I say that because many people believe that it's the church's responsibility to take care of their kids. And it is not our responsibility to disciple your children. Oh, we will. We will do everything within our power to infuse the gospel into your kids' lives from the nursery 
all the way through into the college ministry here. We will. You hand your baby over to the, those that are serving in the ministry, and although we're not teaching them the Greek and the Hebrew, they're being held by love, being sung to, the Bible being read to them. You bet, from ever as they go through all the children's ministry, there are men and women trained to teach them the Word, to love them. I mean, Pastor Michael, that is his, this is what he lives. He breathes in and out how to care for kids, how to love kids, how to reach kids, how to connect kids to the gospel for the time that you're in trust us to him. You bet. Verse by verse, we go from Genesis to the end of the Bible with your kids. You bet. Yes. But it's not our responsibility. It's your responsibility. You're their parents, grandparents, single moms, single dads. They go through the children's ministry. They land into the junior high ministry. Well, Pastor Keegan and his team Pastor Keegan, this is what he lives in. He breathes in day after day, week after week. He is praying about how to minister the gospel to your kids in the TikTok, Instagram, video game world to make sure that the Bible is relevant, that, they're tr- that they trust Him through love, caring and concerning to get the Word of God and all the pressure that the, your kids are facing, we want to come alongside of you. But it's not our responsibility. It's your responsibility. They go through high school, or they go through junior high, and they end up to high school. We got Pastor Joshua there and his team, and hopefully a new, a new high school pastor here very soon, that live and breathe day in and day out how to help take the Bible in the same world. That they are bombarded. Not only is it TikTok and Instagram and probably things I don't even know about yet. Not only is it the video games and the headsets and the, hey man, when I played video games, it was a black stick with an orange button, man. I didn't have a headset on. I had a radio blaring. I wasn't talking to people around the world. I didn't have pornography in my back pocket. I wasn't being prayed. There wasn't, there wasn't a, a major thing of sex trafficking when I was growing up. Welcome to the world your kids live in. We got to open our eyes, and kids have to know that they have a parent that's got their back. They need to know that you love them, that you care for them. If your home is filled with the Word of God, and your home is filled with prayer, and your home is filled with love, God will use that to guard your kids. Listen, you cannot, parents, give your kids to Egypt. Egypt can't have your kids. Just say it out loud. Say it with me. Egypt can't have my kids. Say it out loud. Can't my kids. Egypt can't have your kids. And we'll stand in the gap. They go through high school, they get into college. Can I just say, on the first day of the first class in all secular colleges, most likely, unfortunately, some Christian colleges, your kid is going to meet a professor that their whole goal in life is to undo all the training that you did in your kid's life. It's probably going to be in one of the science-related classes, And they're going to sniff out that, oh, there's a believer there. I'm going to embarrass them. I'm going to make them look like fools. I'm going to isolate them. I'm going to ask them the questions in such a way where they don't even believe in themselves. I'm going to make them doubt. I'm going to turn them against their parents. I'm going to turn them against their church. I'm going to turn them against their faith. I'm going to turn them into secular thinkers. That's day one. That's just day one. I met a brother right after service, first service. He said, that professor you talked about, Ed, it's my dad. I lived in that world for many years. He's a believer now, but he says, that's my dad. He's a professor, and he does exactly that. Parents, you have a responsibility. Now you understand why your marriage is so important for those of you that are married. Here you are wasting time fighting about dumb things that really don't mean anything digging in your heels, flirting with someone at work while your kids are just thrown to Egypt. 
just thrown to Egypt. And there you are, you're, you're out, you, you know, we need, we, we don't need, but we want more money. So there you are, money's got you out of the house, your kids are thrown to Egypt. Or your hobby, man, it just takes more of your time, you got to jump in, you got to do this, and your kids are going to Egypt. And Egypt's owning them. And it's never too late to decide. Parents, like, look, I know whenever I share a message of parenting or prayer, there's always a heaviness. Because every single one of us, myself included as a parent, like I look back and I'm like, man, I could have done this better. I could have done this better. I could have done this better. But you know what? God makes up the gap. He's faithful. You look to him, even in your failures, God will use them in your kids' lives. But, but that's, it's, it's impossible for God to use you when you aren't wanting to be used. He won't force you. Your kids, the Bible says, are a treasure. They're a heritage. And it's not my responsibility. It's your responsibility, even though I'll do whatever I can to minister to your kids and serve your kids and teach your kids and love your kids and build trust with your kids so that they might listen to me and receive from me and I can be there to encourage them in these difficult times in which they live. I know it's hard, single moms and single dads. I know it's hard, but Jesus will meet you there. When a home that's Christ is honored, whereas a word is read and followed, where there's prayer, it sets the stage for your kids in a land that wants to enslave God's people and absolutely destroy the faith of our kids and our marriages and our witness. We need to hide our kids from Egypt, for sure, as long as we can. Friend, we're in this world, but we're not of it. So the answer isn't, well, I'm going to get out of Egypt. I'm moving to the moon. That's not possible. This is Egypt, and this is where we're at. This is God's will for our life. Jesus said, we're in this world. We're not of this world. Jesus, when he was praying, he says, Father, I don't ask that you take them out of the world. And then you say, what? Take me out, Lord. And he says, no, I'm praying, Father, that you would keep them. You would protect them. You would help them. We're in the world, and it's vital that you teach your kids the ways of God. Moses' mom had five years with him. You have to know that those five years were five years of discipleship for those kids. Five years of pouring the truth into them. Which leads me to another group today before we head out. And I know that some of you in a room this size with this many people, you guys watching online, listening on the radio around the country, listen, I know that there are parents with prodigal kids. And you're looking at it this and kind of putting the pieces together and maybe you're concluding, well, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. There may be something in your life that you need to repent of. I know in my life, I never really got this growing up, but I know my kids got it a lot. And that is, I would often, depending on how big they were, but I would get down on my knees and I would look my kids in the eye and I would ask them to forgive me for my failures. As there were many in my life. Many failures as a dad with all three of my kids. And I would just say, I want to clean the slate with them. So you look at that in your life and you go, well, maybe I fail. Okay, then clean the slate and you can have that. Just ask for forgiveness. But understand this too. Every prodigal kid is responsible for their own decisions. This is Abounding Grace with our Bible teacher and pastor, Ed Taylor. Catch a replay at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app. You can search for Ed Taylor to download that today. 
penned on a train from Illinois to Texas, The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer has proven to be helpful to anyone longing for a deeper experience with God. This book is a modest attempt, Tozer wrote, to aid God's children so to find Him. If you're hungry, the pursuit of God will lead you to the only one who can satisfy the soul. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Ordering resources is easier than ever now through our e-store at calvaryco.store. That's calvaryco.store. If you'd just like to make a donation and are not interested in the pick of the month, you can just go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Connect with us through social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. There's a link to each page at AboundingGraceRadio.com. We've got another study in Hebrews to look forward to tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. May God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.